0: Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee and welcome to episode 81 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Uh, I am recording this today on Wednesday, Um, as always I'll release it on Friday, but I can't release it on Friday because I'm going to be in the car driving back to Kansas City uh, to work some more with my parents, we're going to get their house ready for sale, and there's a lot of stuff in it that we have to clean out and gut, and oh just, you know, after 45 years in one house, people can accumulate a lot of things, so (laughs) I'm going to be working on that. Um, over the next week. So I'll be in Kansas City for this next week. I will record our next podcast episode on the road. I don't know if it'll really be a road one like I've done in the past. I still will try to keep to the regular format, but I'll be recording it from the road. So I'll record along the way and record different sections as we as we get through all that stuff. So I can release it for hopefully next Friday. I might be a little late. Um, Hopefully I'll get one out on Friday, but I will still be in Kansas City at that time. So um, we'll just see how it goes. Oh, um, this one's going to hopefully be a little shorter. I say hopefully because I plan on that with the new format of creating these shorter (laughs) podcasts um, and don't always succeed because I always find plenty to talk about. But we'll see how that goes. Last night, since I'm recording this on Wednesday, was the screening for Medicating Normal sponsored by Benzodiazepine Action Work Group, um, which I'm one of the co-chairs on. I thought it went really well. Great conversation, some good topics. I wish we had more time. An hour is awfully quick, and I think we could have um, talked about a lot of different things. I was the moderator on that, and hopefully I did okay. I think I could do better, and I hope to in the future, but I thought it went all right. I think there were, for those people who got involved in some chat um, behind the scenes, just a couple things so you know. We don't see those um, much. We're so focused. Most of us don't. Um, I think a couple of the panelists might have been on the chat room and responded to some things. But for me as a moderator, I'm so focused on reading the next question and getting ready and then also trying to keep things moving along that I don't read the chat. So I didn't see all the conversations that were were going on for those who were on that. And I think there was a topic a little bit about, about long-term complications or long-term use. That was it, long-term use of benzodiazepines. And I I think it went to Dr. Ridfo or somebody else and responded that there are some some uses for long term use of benzodiazepines. The question was originally on addiction and dependence and I think it led into that. I think there was some comments on it I had heard since then I never saw the comments but like I said because they're gone now and I was busy trying to be the moderator. But I just wanted to comment on that real quick and and, and kind of clarify. Um I did talk to Alexis afterwards. Um she mentioned it to me. And just so you know, it's like, I actually agree that there are some long-term uses um, for benzodiazepines, but they are exceptional cases and in extreme cases. And you need to weigh the overall benefits to that patient. And that patient needs to be notified, as we've talked about, and there's a movie made quite clear, it needs to be notified in advance of the complications and what they're getting into. I, I am, of course, you know, 12 years on clonopin. Um, and there's my ums again, because I'm now ad-libbing and <laughs> none of this is scripted. But I was 12 years on clonopin, tapered for 18 months. And I'm now six and a half, almost seven years benzo-free, doing much better. In fact, this last year, I think I've seen more gains than I did in the previous year. So um, for those people who say they fully heal like at 10 years, I'm starting to get that. And maybe that's a bit of hope for those of you who are having the that minority of people who have that long recovery. But anyway, I went through hell, pure hell, as many of you have too in your acute phases and different phases of withdrawal. So I get it. I get the anger about the situation, especially for those of you who are still in it. In fact, just this month, and I mentioned one of these people on a previous podcast. Unfortunately, this past week, there's been another, but I can't really speak to that yet. Hopefully um, somebody will share that story later on um, when that person is ready. But we lost another person to Benzos this past week. That I was um, somebody that I had corresponded with, and both of those really hit me hard, and I've I've had trouble getting past those a little bit. So, what I'm trying to say is, I get it. Don't think you're hearing somebody talking here who doesn't understand the horrors of ben- the horrors of Benzo withdrawal, because I do. And for those people out there who are mourning the loss or dealing with that loss Uh, for both of you that I've talked to, please know that my thoughts and prayers are with you still and and going forward. And I'm I'm thinking about you um, both often. The point I'm trying to make is, as with any medication, especially psych drugs, the best thing to do is to get fully informed on them. Know all the pros and cons and weigh the reasons. I'm not one who says benzodiazepines should be banned there are still good uses for them. In the short term, Dr. Wright talks about it as a bridge drug, but elect, um, for alcohol detox, they're almost essential. For emergency room agitation, where there's a patient you're trying to treat and they just won't calm down, they're at an extreme state, that drug is a lifesaver at that point. Now, when it goes into a long-term use, then we get into complications and we need to make sure we educate everybody about that because that is a serious issue serious condition. And I know as many of you know what that happens, what, what happens there, but only in extreme cases and only in those types of situations. But I wanted to bring that up with everybody because I know that's a topic that we get on and we all get very irritated and very angry. And I've been there. I, I am one of those people who has gotten very angry about pharmaceutical companies, about doctors. I've been through it. I, I know <laughs> I've been through it. But I think the answer lies in making sure physicians and other medical professionals know about this severity, provide informed consent, make sure that the patient knows what they're getting into if they take it, Um, and that we only prescribe it long-term in extreme circumstances. Again, I'm not a medical professional, and this is not medical advice. I'm just a guy who took benzos and is trying to help people out. So let the, you know, (laughs) the flaming arrows fly if you want to attack me for that. I would be happy to talk about it further in a later episode. I am not trying to be controversial here. You know that I'm trying to be as apolitical as possible on this show, especially when it comes to the severity and and the difficulty many of you are facing. But at the same point, I want to make sure that we take a rational approach towards this and we try to work with the people who can really make a difference. And that's where the benzodiazepine Action Work Group is doing. We are a group of harmed individuals, organizers in the benzo community, people from BIC, from the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices, and doctors and medical professionals and psychiatrists and psychologists and people who are doing support groups and towns and just an amazing group coming together, seeing this as a problem and trying to find the right solution. Am I angry? Yes. When I watched that film last night, Medicating Normal, am I angry? Absolutely. I can't watch that and not get pissed off, but I have to step back at the end and say, okay, in the long run, what's the best way to make real lasting change? And I believe working with doctors, working with even pharmaceutical companies, working with anybody who's willing to work with us to get that change and make that happen. Okay. I've said I'm stepping off my soapbox a few times now, and now I really will. Let the arrows fly if they may. I'm going to move on to it. And trust me, our feature might be a little controversial too, so see what happens when D doesn't write a script out completely for it. He just rambles on, and hopefully I don't edit all of this out when I get ready to release it. But I just want you all to know that I get it. I understand the suffering, and I want to do anything we can to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. Anyway, let's move on. Today, our format will include our introduction, which you just heard was me rambling on of my soapbox for some reason, our benzo story, and our feature. No moment of peace today just because it takes me a bit longer to produce, and honestly, I'm short on time this week with my upcoming trip, but I promise I will get back to it soon. Our feature today is on COVID, benzos, and withdrawal. Yes, you can see some controversy there, but I promise I'm going to steer as clear of it as I can. And before we move on, don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. Please comment on our posts on YouTube, on our feedback form at easinganxiety.com feedback. While you're there, subscribe to our mailing list or donate to support what we do. And remember, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Now let's move on to our benzo story. This one is from Andrew in Boston, Massachusetts. I do want to let people know that Andrew does share some very difficult times in his life with his withdrawal. So if stories of benzo withdrawal hardship might be upsetting to you, you might want to skip this section for now. You can find an index of podcast sections in our show notes under the chapters section. Now let's hear from Andrew. Hi, Dee. I've been wanting to write you for some time now and seriously thank you for all the support and resources you offer benzo survivors. I can't tell you how many times I listened to your podcasts while anxiously taking long walks with nowhere else to turn for support. Your voice at times is the only one that brought me any peace of mind and validation, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. My wife and family just can't relate to my situation, but somehow I feel understood through your podcast. It's going on 11 months since I jumped off regular Ativan use for 13 years under a doctor's supervision, and it really feels like a lifetime. Before I give an update, I'd like to go back and tell you how it all started. A little over a year ago, I moved back to my hometown after living far away from family for 19 years. It was strange, yet amazing to be back home where I had mostly good memories, and most of my family. Those amazing feelings didn't last too long, and I soon found myself in a world of fear and uncertainty. After a weekend with friends and perhaps too much drinking... My anxiety levels were through the roof. The Ativan, I was prescribed 0.5 milligrams as needed. It, it, it was barely working by this time, and I decided to updose in order to get some relief. Big mistake. My downward spiral happened like a punch in the gut. I was all of a sudden tossed into a bizarre state of anxiety, derealization, debilitating panic attacks, muscle twitching suicidal ideation, adrenaline rushes, blurry vision, jelly legs, tight chest, health anxiety, and chronic OCD-like hyperventilation. I just couldn't catch my breath, but in hindsight, I was actually over-breathing. Also, looking back, I was definitely in tolerance withdrawal for well over a year when the crap hit the fan. Typically, I would take 0.5 milligrams of Adivan two to three times a week, but now is up to 0.5 milligrams every day, with not much relief, and started to feel worse after each dose wore off. I never liked looking up the horror stories online regarding benzo withdrawal and only knew it can be tough, and certainly didn't know stopping cold turkey was a huge mistake. I now take responsibility for my lack of knowledge around stopping CT and should have done my homework. I only knew from doctors that this stuff can be highly addictive. And since I took them sparingly, I was convinced it was safe. Wrong, wrong, wrong. After taking Ativan for 13 years as needed, and now every day for two months, I decided to stop taking them all together and tough it out. If only I knew of tapering. The next four months were simply hell. And every symptom of anxiety panic I had prior to taking any benzos returned. And now beyond anything I ever experienced. Couldn't deal with any form of stress. Couldn't watch any violence on TV. Had to keep moving, over-breathing, fear of feeling fear, and constant rumination. The next three months, the anxiety was still constant, but somewhat bearable. Lots of health anxiety, but also started to experience a few windows. I still couldn't work or be around large crowds at seven months out, but you could feel this slow healing taking place. The next four months have been windows followed by waves followed by windows. It's funny. When you have a window and tell yourself, don't forget this moment, then a wave hits and you can't barely remember what that window felt like. Very strange how it comes and goes, but after every bad wave, it seems to get better. I can now be in crowds but get exhausted quickly from any form of output. Eating healthy-ish has helped, along with my faith in God. I can't imagine doing this without my faith. Also, focusing on getting help with the initial problem of anxiety panic through CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. All in all, I know I'm on the healing path and will recover from the damage I've done through benzo use. My current and longest symptom is sensorimotor breathing? It seems that my brain has latched on to this fear of breathing, and now feels like I have to manually breathe all the time. It sounds really silly, but is actually terrifying to constantly feel like you have to take the next breath over and over. To my understanding, this can be a side effect from benzos and will go away and to just accept it and not fight. Fighting any of this just gives the fire more fuel. I have the utmost sympathy for anyone going through benzo withdrawal, or any of the post-acute stuff. Please know there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no magic pill, as we all know. And as the saying goes, the only way out is through. Hang in there, Andrew. Wow, oh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for your story. Well, well written and an excellent story. Um, through the hardships and on to the success that you've started to find, I am so glad you shared that with me. I wanted to go back and talk about a couple things here. You mentioned you're taking long walks, and as you know, it's something I do a lot of. My wife and I walk. I walk my dog, and I often now get up about. 530 in the morning and go out and take a walk or even a jog. And that's where I take pictures of sunrises and post them on Instagram and, and just kind of get started fresh with the day with a little bit of, little more clear of a head, I guess is the word. Your breathing difficulties are common, unfortunately. They do go and they do fade. I like what you said about the windows and the waves. That it's funny how to have a window and tell yourself, don't forget this moment, and then you can barely remember what it's like. That completely um, relates to many people I've talked to, including myself. And it's important to try to remember those windows. And remember, you have windows, especially when those waves come along and they can be so difficult. And that roller coaster just continues. Oh, I just want to thank you again for sharing this. You mentioned about fighting and accepting. And that's something I know we talk about a lot on this podcast, finding that level of acceptance of your condition, learning to stop fighting against it, because like you said, it just gives the fire more fuel, I think is, is, the, is the transition point for so many of us. Once we get to that point, then things start to improve because we can accept our current limitations knowing that they will probably improve over time. And we can try to start to live again as best we can, accept where we are, and start to move on and get back to a more, quote unquote, normal type of life. Well written. I I loved sharing your story with everybody. And and it's such a positive one in the end. And I really enjoyed that, Andrew. Thank you so much for sharing this. This is a great one. And I um, can't wait to get it put up on the website and have other people bond to it and everything. So thank you. That closes out our Benzo story for today. Please remember, we do still need stories. Uh, just go to our feedback form at easinganxiety.com slash feedback and send in your story there. I would love to hear it and I would love to share it on the podcast. Thanks. And now, let's move on to our feature. Let's see where I'm at on time right now. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Remember that whole thing about this being short? <laughs> Oh, that's probably not going to happen because I don't think I'm doing any editing on this yet. I haven't found a, I guess I found one break point maybe in this whole thing that I said retake, but that's it. So this one's just coming out and flowing. So we'll see how it goes. Our feature today is on COVID benzos and withdrawal. This question has come up several times in your comments and emails, and I really wanted to address it today. Now, we've addressed the emotional and anxiety effects of COVID many times on this channel, and on our easing Anxiety channel, but we haven't spent a lot of time looking at the physical complications and um, any issues with the vaccine. So let's start out with a few of your questions and comments just to kick us off. Now remember, we do attempt to stay, as I mentioned earlier, as politically neutral as possible on this podcast. I love to avoid politics as much as I can. But when you get into COVID and when we talk about vaccines, that's hard to do. So please know, I make no judgment of anyone or anybody's opinions on COVID, on masks, on businesses, on the virus, on health care, on vaccines, or whatever. That's not what I do here. So regardless of your beliefs about COVID or the vaccine or anything else, please know that hopefully this is still going to be an informative feature. I'll share a few comments here up front, uncensored, and then we'll talk a bit. Our first one is from Jim in Calgary, Canada, and he wrote, any recent research done regarding withdrawal effects on immunity, especially with regard to COVID risks? Okay, that was a great question. The next one, it was a comment that came from Blue Affuse. That's the um, person's name on YouTube. No vax for me. I'll take my chances. Can't be no worse than this paradox. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I wanted to throw that in there to show you the different opinions. And our third one here is Dennis from South Carolina wrote, Good morning. I haven't emailed you in a bit, but I was just wondering if you had heard anything about vaccines and people still recovering from benzos. Have you heard of any adverse reactions? Thank you, Dennis. Now, that's just a few of several of the comments and questions I've gotten lately about COVID and benzodiazepines. And I felt now is the time to talk about this. We've talked many times on easing anxiety on the channel. I've done some videos and everything else, like I said, about the anxiety side of things. But let's talk about physical complications. You know what? I think there's two places to look at this. One is the virus while on benzos or benzo withdrawal and immunity. And then the other one is the vaccine. So let's start with the first one. And let's open with an excerpt from the Ashton Manual on immunity. I think that'll give us a good basis to start. Ashton said it is not clear whether there really is an increased incidence of infections in people undergoing benzodiazepine withdrawal because there have been no comparisons with otherwise similar populations who have not been exposed to benzodiazepines. However, many factors affect the immune system. One of these is stress with increased output of the stress hormone cortisol, which inhibits immune responses. Another factor is depression, also related to stress and associated with increased cortisol secretion. Increased cortisol levels can reduce resistance to infection and also cause flare-ups of incipient infection. Benzodiazepine withdrawal can clearly be stressful, but strangely, in patients that I have tested, blood cortisol concentrations have been low. So, this subject remains a mystery and probably merits further research. The message for people undergoing benzodiazepine withdrawal is to try to lead a healthy lifestyle, which includes a balanced diet, plenty of exercise and rest, and avoidance of extra stress where possible. Slow dosage tapering is the best way to reduce the stress of withdrawal. Well, thank you, Professor Ashton. That is... um. That's some great information in there, and I wanted it was a little long, but I wanted to share all that with you. I think I think the thing to keep in mind is yes, it is possible that our immune systems are more compromised. And another concern people have had is that of respiratory complications, since some symptoms of benzos are respiratory based, and COVID affects the respiratory system. <laughs> That's where I should break, but I'm not going to. And COVID affects the respiratory system. Is there more risk for people in benzo withdrawal of respiratory complications? I found a white paper from the National Health Service in Britain about this very subject. The paper stated, There are no data on the impact of chronic or acute use of benzodiazepines in patients with symptoms of COVID-19 infection. Yet the paper did caution later on, it said, Patients who are exhibiting respiratory symptoms should be offered non-benzodiazepine-sedating drugs first, where possible. Now, this is not really that helpful. (laughs) Um, And it does not address the issue of withdrawal and COVID. So, it talks about during benzo use, but not after use and while we're going through withdrawal. Because over-breathing, air hunger, gasping, other respiratory symptoms can be common, very common in benzo withdrawal for some people. So I see where the worry comes from. You know, much like everything else in benzo and COVID-related, research is limited. But I did come across a 2020 review of research in BMC Medicine titled Safety of Psychotropic Medications in People with COVID-19, Evidence Review and Practical Recommendations. And in this uh, review, the author stated Antipsychotics, benzodiazepines, and some mood stabilizers may be associated with an increased risk of secondary infections in people with COVID-19, and possibly with an unfavorable course of systemic infections. The risk is likely to be particularly relevant for clozapine, carbamazepine, and oxcarbazepine. I can't do that one. Oxcarbazepine. Wow, I haven't seen that one very often, so that one's a little harder for me. Regular monitoring is therefore indicated. And as for respiratory address, the study did state, the risk of respiratory impairment associated with benzodiazepines in the general population is debated, but might be particularly relevant in elderly patients with COVID-19 and pre-existing comorbidities. Benzodiazepines should be avoided or used short-term, preferring those with a shorter half-life, such as etazolam, oxazepam, or lorazepam. So those are some studies on the whole concept of COVID-19 benzo use and benzo withdrawal and whether or not we are at higher risk. It looks like it's possible, and some of the things that we have going on might make us feel that way, but again, we're not seeing any hard evidence that people in that state are definitely going to have a more difficult time or that there is a sign of that higher risk going on. So still so much we don't know. But I kind of wanted just to throw those out there so you had a little more information. Let's jump up to the vaccine real quick. Now, the one thing I'm not going to do here is get into a vaccine debate. Those don't end well, and I don't want to cause a riot. (laughs) Unless I first want to say I am not choosing sides here. Some believe the vaccine is safe and is the answer to our problems, and some believe the vaccine has not been tested thoroughly. Some think it's healthcare companies run amok. Some think it's conspiracy. Some think it's just to make more money or any other theory of what's going on. I'm not judging any of these. I'm really not, okay? The truth is, I don't know. We each have our own decision to make for what is best for us. It, what I do want to talk about is if you choose to get the vaccine, is it safe for people in benzo withdrawal versus the general population? And as I mentioned, we really don't know. <laughs> there are no long-term studies on this, of course, because we haven't had long-term to study them yet. But, you know, I can talk to you a little bit anecdotally. I got the vaccine. Um, just had my second shot last weekend. as many of you know, I go back to Kansas City many times. And my wife goes with me sometimes, too, to take care of my parents they are at risk they have now been vaccinated but still the people around them are at risk they are in a senior center i am limited in visiting them without a vaccine i was a little concerned going in i'll admit wanted to make sure i didn't have a severe reaction and i was also wondering hey i'm in later stages of benzodiazepine um protracted withdrawal now it's almost seven years i don't handle some things in life very well i don't handle some food I don't handle some stressors, I don't handle some medical procedures very well. So how's the vaccine going to work for me? And I had some concern. So far, no problem. I had the first shot and the second shot and had only a sore arm. That was it. That was all I had. And my wife, the same thing. Shanna only had a sore arm. For those who want to know, we had the Pfizer um, shot, the two shots of the Pfizer one. We have talked to some people who have had more severe reactions, who have had a fever, who have had cold symptoms, who have had fatigue for a couple of days and achiness. But that is also very common in the general population. So I just want to let you know, from what we've seen, we don't know a lot. But I have yet to see anything concrete that says that the vaccines are dangerous for people specifically who are on benzos are going through benzodiazepine withdrawal. Okay. So if that was the question, that's what I have there. As for whether you should get vaccinated or not, or the vaccine is safe in general, I ain't going there, okay? Um, I've had questions myself, but I decided to get it. That was just what I decided to do. In my family, I have a few people who are not getting vaccinated aren't absolutely refuse to, and I get along with them fine, okay? This is a divisive issue for many, and I'm not going to let that destroy my family and get between us, so that's what I have to say. I know it's not a lot of really valid information, but I've still felt it was something we should talk about. You know, I just felt it was something we should talk about. So if you have more questions on this, please feel free to bring them into me. As you notice from my intro, talking about long-term um, prescribing of benzos and this on vaccines, I'm not afraid to talk about controversial subjects, but I'm not going to take some absolute stance on anything. Because we all have different opinions on things. And that's okay. That's okay with me. And that's why we're here. Because if I start to take one side on any issue, I stand the risk of losing half our audience. Half of the people who might benefit from some of the information that we can provide on this podcast. And I don't think that's smart. Okay. (laughs) Plus, I am just not that kind of guy. I wanna like everybody. That's that's one of my downfalls. <laughs> I do wanna be accepted. That's something I always have to deal with. But also, I like getting along with people. I'm looking for reasons to like people, not looking for reasons to not like people. That's how my life is. I want people to like me, and I want to like people. That is gonna close out our feature today. No moment of peace. I apologize. Don't worry. It is coming back. It's not gone. It's just something that we're not going to do today. And that's why I said when I went to the shorter format, we'll shake things up and we won't have every section every week. We'll have different sections come and go. So that's what today was. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the BenzoFree Podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering on any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drug should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org/disclaimer. Our next scheduled episode is episode, oh, what is it, eighty-one? I think this is eighty. So eighty-one, and it will be released on Friday. I didn't look at the calendar. Okay, see what happens when I don't do my script up fully. It'll be released hopefully on Friday, May 7th, as I pop a calendar here up here on my computer. Uh, hopefully on the 7th. I'm going to try to. I will be out of town, as I mentioned to you, so it may be a day or two late, but I'm hoping to get it out, and that one will be me recording some of our content from the road. So we'll see how that goes. I, I really want to thank you again for joining me today. Please let me know how you did. Let me know your thoughts, what's going on. Share your stories, what your trials are. Um, and even the really tough ones, like some of you right now are dealing with, which is the loss of loved ones due to these drugs. I just wanted to close out again by saying both of your stories really hit me. Oh, I need to close this out before I can't. Um, Please, everybody, just remember to keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.